Hello and welcome to GradCast, the, the official radio show and podcast of the Society of Graduate Students at Western University. I am your host, Claire Bottini. And I am your co-host, Sharon Mander. And we are here today with uh, Sufjan Tahir. Thank you for being here, Sufjan. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me in your audio show. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Um, so Sufjan, you are a PhD student in biology, is that right? Yeah, that's that's right. Um, I'm I'm in my PhD finally, uh, like in almost finally year. Uh, so I'm going to submit my thesis like uh, very soon. Nice, congratulations. Thank you. Can you explain a bit to us what is your main research topic and maybe what led you there? Yeah, so um, I studied um, the drought stress. Um, mainly, my focus was um, the drought stress um, in the plants, which uh, plants face uh, when they are shortage of water and how do they respond um, specifically to the drought stress. Uh, there are a lot of different stresses that there can be like uh, salt uh, or cold or heat or drought, like water stress. So my focus was mainly to study the uh, mechanism um, by studying some specific proteins. I'll talk about later um, if the question arises about that. Uh, so that was my main focus to study the drought stress in the plants. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because plants basically cannot move, so they have to deal with whatever yeah. happened to them. Yeah, so that's true. What, how does a plant usually deal with drought and what do you consider being a stress and not a stress then? Yeah, so there, there are a lot of uh, visible symptoms plants can show. Um, uh, which uh, from, from those uh, symptoms and from those, those signals, um, we, we perceive that plants is going under stru stress or the uh, or like different uh, if you talk about the agricultural crops so they are going under stress they are under stress by we, we can see that plants are uh, started to build plants are not flowering they are delayed their flowering they are not germinating their uh, growth is not as uh, as for the standard of that uh, species or that plant so there can be a lot of different symptoms from which we perceive, yeah, the plant is under stress. So what kind of stress um, that can be, we do research and we find out like what kind of research that could be, that could be related to soil or that could be related to other factors like environmental or maybe internal, some biotic uh, factor like disease or any, any, anything like that. So there can be different uh, factors uh, affecting the plant growth. I was wondering how long does it take for drought stress to occur? Would it depend on the plant or is long-term stress different from like, could you have a short-term stress? Yeah, that's a very good question. Um, there are both uh, uh, like both types of uh, drought stress, mm -hmm. uh, long-term and short-term. Short-term, um, let's say we talk about um, like we have a plant in at our home, like indoor or outdoor plant, right? So we usually, let's say we, um, we once, once a week, we, we water that plant. And if we skip one week, so that, that would be a short-term drought stress. We, next week, we will uh, uh, water that plant again. So that will be a, just a short-term, um, because like you made that plant uh, to have or to receive the water weekly, right? And you just missed one week. So that was a short-term plant. Plants will try to... Uh, overcome that problem, um, that short-term uh, drought problem. But like, if you're not gonna give the plants 
uh, water like for a month or for several weeks, that is gonna be the long term. Talking about like in the sense of plants or in agriculture, when there is no rain, when there is, especially in Canada, like uh, most of the crops are dependent on rain, right? If there is no rain uh, happening like in several weeks or maybe in, in months, that's gonna be the long-term um, uh, drought. And that will have more serious concerns or impact on the plant growth uh, as compared to the short, uh, short drought. Could it be that drought stress is also temperature dependent? Because I'm guessing if it's very hot, the water will evaporate more easily. So the plant would be in drought stress more quickly. Yeah, at home I have some plants that uh, if I water them, depending on the temperature, this, uh, this water may evaporate more or less quickly. So I'm not always sure if my plant is under stress or not. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's a good question. Um, different stresses, um, most of them, especially, we define the stresses into two categories, like biotic and abiotic, right? In abiotic stresses, there are different stresses like which are not relate, related to bio, where no viruses, no bacteria, no uh, living organisms are involved could cause that stress, right? So in abiotic stresses, we can uh, we can, uh, can uh, we, we can include like salt, um, drought, heat, cold, uh, maybe some uh, metal uh, stress like uh, there are some metals present in the soil which are uh, uh, harming the plants or which are affecting the plant growth. So yeah, um, talking about different abiotic stresses, most of them are interconnected. There, there is a term, there's a word we use uh, especially for the abiotic stresses, crosstalk. So the crosstalk of different abiotic stresses like Temperature, definitely, if uh, we have summer uh, time and there is a temperature, like higher temperature, 35 or 40 or maybe more than 40, and it goes um, for several weeks, definitely, it will, um, uh, uh, plants will require more water, right? And if they will require, because they are transpiring, they are evaporating more water, so they need more water from the soil. And if there is no enough or excess uh, water available um, in the soil to the plants, because of the high temperature, they will start uh, wilting. They will have their growth stunted or they will not be performing very well. So yeah, uh, temperature is also a factor and that can uh, have a crosstalk with the drought and with other um, uh, abiotic stresses, which can affect the plant growth. I guess following up on that, because we've been talking about different types of plants or plants in general, what plants did you work with? Yeah, so that's that's a very good question. And whenever like someone asks about like what plant or what big uh, mm. plant I am working on, that is a weed actually. <laughs> that is a weed. That is not a crop plant or like maize or corn or wheat mm. or like uh, rice or something like that. That that my plant is my model research model was the uh, a weed. That is a weed. And uh, I'm not quite sure in what is the English name of that plant because I never thought about to check uh, on that. Uh, what is the English name? But uh, the scientific name that is Arabidopsis, uh, Arabidopsis thaliana, that is the complete name. So that is a weed. Um, why we use that uh, specific plant for the research? That is a very simple plant, uh, easy to grow. Uh, it completes its li lifestyle from germination to um, like flowering and uh, uh, like uh, making seeds within just two months, like eight to 10 weeks, it completes its life cycle. 
and very easy to grow um, uh, and very easy to handle. And the main purpose also, uh, the plus point is that its genome is very, very small. Its DNA, uh, DNA size is very small, just 135 MBs as compared to the human genome, which is, I believe, like in billions of uh, uh, nucleotide base pairs, I believe. So that, that is also a main reason. And also we can easily uh, incorporate models which are uh, which are present in the Arabidopsis that we'd uh, incorporate into, or uh, we can apply these models um, to study other crops as well. So that is uh, uh, main um, uh, purpose to study this plant specifically for different um, systems or research. I actually have a follow-up to that. Uh, so are you going out and grab, like, this might seem ignorant, but like, are you going out and driving plants or are you growing your own? Or are you doing both? Like, uh, uh, if you are, uh, yeah, I grow my own plants and I have my plants like uh, in closed conditions uh, where I can control my, uh, all of the conditions required for the plants, like um, humidity, like temperature, like soil, like, uh, um, uh, sunlight and everything I can control. So I grow my plants, own plants to do the research like in a closed container, uh, where can I control, where, can, where I can control all of the conditions. Okay. And then I guess I have a third follow-up. Have you ever run into any difficulties with your, with growing plants? Um, just to grow the plants is not that much a difficult task. Uh, yes, we uh, come across a lot of difficulties when <laughs> uh, you guys are um, also uh, from the research background. Uh, you can understand when we do the research, we definitely uh, face a lot of problems and uh, hardships as well. So same as with me, I also had several um, uh, difficulties I had to face uh, to do the research to come to the final uh, conclusion uh, about my research, whatever I did. But just to grow the plants, it, it, that was not that much hard. Sometimes I know uh, it becomes hard for the very easy thing. What we are thinking about that is going to be very easy task, but that takes time. Sometimes it becomes difficult, but yeah, overall, it was not that much hard for Nice. <laughs> Maybe another stupid question. It's where do you get your plant from? Do you have a producer that brings the plants? Do you get them as a seed or as seedling, I guess you can say? Like what stage do you get your plants and how do you make sure that everything is comparable then? Yeah, that's a good question. So actually, um, if we are in a research uh, place, so uh, and uh, like if I talk about my um, uh, research project, I got the seed from my lab. Lab was already, my research group was already working on that uh, um, plant. So there were a lot of seeds available. Yeah. Th those were uh, wild type. Wild type we see where the genome has not been edited or, um, or has not been uh, improved or like changed, right? So that is the wild type. So wild type seeds were all already available, uh, readily available in, in my lab. So I just used those seeds. Talking about generally uh, uh, where we get the seeds. Yes, we get, uh, sometimes we get the seeds from, um, from different companies. 
sometimes we get it from resource centers like there are there is a resource center in uh, united states uh, arabdopsis biological research resource center that has a collection of, a huge collection of uh, different mutants and transgenic lines of that same uh, plant which i am working on so yeah we can get seeds from like uh, different resources from different companies yeah okay so my understanding is that you're working with white tap but you also mentioned transgenic and um, mutant plants can you a bit explain what are the difference between maybe a transgenic and a mutant yeah that's a very good question so yeah i use three different types of plants like of the same uh, plant but three different uh, varieties or you can say genotypes um so the first one was uh, i already talked about that was the wild type and wild type i define already that whose genome is has not been changed in any way that is the wild type that is considered the wild type having the wild genome inside um the other uh, form of uh, the, the variety of the plants are i i used in my research uh, i got the seeds from the arabidopsis resource center that is located in the usa and that has got a lot of uh, a huge collection of the uh, uh, arabidopsis plants of different genotypes and those were the mutant plants mutant plants are those which we call uh, whose some of the genes or genes or set of genes has been mutated uh, to knock down their function or to knock out completely knock out their function right so let's say there is specific gene and controlling specific uh, uh, trait or character and we want to have knockout of that character in that plant so we silence that gene in different way there are different ways to silence the genes and those plants will be called as mutant so i used four different mutants because i was working with four different proteins so i got the mutant of each protein also i developed uh, i developed my own uh, transgenic plants so transgenic plants where we uh, where we add some foreign dna gene or for, uh, some foreign dna or some foreign specific gene into the plant uh, to make to have some extra or like uh, uh, out of the genome gene from the, some other sources so that is the transgenic plant so i use three different types of plants mutant wild type and transgenic for my research i guess i have a follow up to that because i i'm not in biology and uh, so i don't know these methods very much but how would you go about creating a transgenic plant that's that's a very good question so yeah there are uh, so specifically uh, creating a, a transgenic plant it, uh, it 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 will mainly depend on uh, what's the purpose there are different methodologies uh, to uh, develop the transgenic plants so the methodology and purpose in my research was to use the transgenic plants to study the function of gene so if i let's say let's talk about uh, in this way Uh, i have a mutant plant where the gene is silent and that is not showing that specific character let's say uh, i uh, studied the drought stress so my mutant plants will be um, will be susceptible to the drought stress they will not uh, 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 overcome the drought problem right on the other hand transgenic plants they are having the uh, strong gene where the their expression of the gene is very high because i transferred a gene of interest into the plants to make them transgenic so my plants are transgenic they are expressing 
uh, their genes at higher level. And um, if I expose those transgenic plants to the drought stress, they will be having higher expression of the gene. That's why they will respond in a better way to the drought stress as compared to the neural plants. Now the question, uh, how we develop uh, the transgenic? There are different ways. Um, I will just talk about uh, the method which I used. So uh, what we do simply uh, in a simple way, uh, I will just describe that. Uh, we include the gene of interest and the DNA into a plasmid vector, a circular DNA vector, which we get from the, uh, which has, uh, uh, from the bacterial cells. Different bacteria uh, contains different plasmids. So I use specific plasmid and incorporated my gene of interest into that plasmid. And through the bacteria, I infected the plants um, through a method called floral dip. And I inserted that plasmid into the bacterial into the bacteria, and uh, then uh, this is way, this is the how I got my transgenic plants. And I did screening to find out if they are real transgenic or not. So there was uh, different methods like I uh, I included uh, in that like herbicide. So I uh, sprayed my plants uh, with the herbicide herbicide which kills the non-transgenic, but the transgenics will survive. So my real transgenic. Uh, this is how I got. Yeah, that's a pretty cool technique. So you're basically using a bacteria to give this plant any gene of interest. That's that's cool. Can yeah. you give any gene, or do you? Are we still limited with certain type of gene? That's a very good question. Uh, uh, we have a very very common example for that. We can in incorporate any gene into any organisms through uh, genetic transformation. Uh, you have uh, you have heard about the insulin. I will just give you uh, guys um, a very general example. Insulin. We get the insulin from bacteria, and you know the insulin is produced. Actually, the gene for the insulin production is from the humans. Insulin is produced by our body, right, to uh, dissolve the sugar, I, I believe. And uh, uh, but. Those, those, those human beings who are uh, having problem of high blood sugar level, right? Their genome, their specific gene is not producing the insulin. So where do they get? So what scientists did, scientists transferred the human genome sequence into a bacteria and made the bacteria to produce that insulin. So now we are getting our insulin from the bacteria, right? So we, this is a very basic, very general example where we can think about that we can transfer any gene to any organism, and this is <laughs> this is very cool stuff like genetic trans transformation, right? Yeah, that's cool. So you mentioned so in your example, the it's a bacteria that creates insulin. Can kind of plants can we grow plants to create insulin? Because I'm guessing that will be more productive, efficient. Maybe, maybe not. Yeah, from the plants. Yeah. So. Oh. Um, so, yeah, we can make the plants to produce vaccines as well. Um, um, there is a group like where I work, there is a lab that is working uh, on the production of or synthesis of plant-based vaccines. Yeah, so um, we can make the plants to produce vaccines. And I uh, uh, like this is a very, uh, uh, this research is a very like basic level at this time. I do not have an example where we are making any specific um, vaccine from the plant, but yeah, research is going on to produce, to make the plants to synthesize or produce uh, vaccines uh, for certain diseases uh, from the plants. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, so for your plants in general and the drought stress, uh, when you manipulate uh, some of this stuff, uh, would you see the changes at a macroscopic level or a microscopic would you look for? Or would you look for both? Um, if you are talking about like at genome level, mm -hmm. uh, at the phenotypic level, like phys uh, physically. So um, physically we can, by incorporating a single gene, by changing a single gene in the plant genome, we can see a very big difference physically in the opening of the plant, like leaves. We can see differences in the leaf, very visible, very obvious difference. And there are some genes which might have very microscopic uh, changes, we can, we, which, which can like uh, um, uh, make the plants to show only microscopic. And there are different genes which can make the plants to show like at like visibly with naked eye. Yeah. Okay, so for your drought stress, do would you be able to see that if I were just to look at the plant and I could I tell that you manipulated it or not? Um, for the, my for the, my genes, which I used um, to um, incorporate maybe plants uh, transgenic, they were oh, in like in in a physical appearance mm -hmm. similar. Just with the difference that they were a bit bigger as compared to the wild type, they were having like a bigger plant structure, more leaves, and higher like plant height, more plant height as compared to the wild type. And I believe I did not do the research on that, but I believe they were having delayed flowering as well, uh, showing like late flowering as compared to the wild type. But other than that. Uh, I did not see much difference physically, like in their physical appearance as compared to the wild type. And what kind of, what was your gene of interest? Yeah, that's very good question, very specific to my research. So my gene of interest, um, they, they are, uh, these are the proteins, these are the enzymes. Um, if it, um, we know that uh, DNA is a, a specific structure that is uh, uh, coiled and um, uh, in a compact form um, based on the nucleosome um, uh, structure. So uh, DNA and proteins, they are formed together in a specific structure called nucleosomes, right? Those proteins which are present in the uh, histones, they are different proteins, histone H3 and histone H4, right? And we know that histone proteins and all the proteins are made up of amino acids, right? So there is a specific amino acid called lysine in the, in the protein structure, right? And uh, on the lysine, my proteins, uh, uh, talking about my proteins, there are different proteins and there's, these are actually uh, the enzymes and they are belonging to same family called HG2 family, histone decetylase, that's the enzyme name, histone decetylase. So what they do, they remove the acetyl group from the histone protein. So they remove, these are the enzymes which remove the acetyl group. So what happens when the acetyl is removed from the lysine of the, proton, uh, of the histone protein? Where the lysine is being removed, that DNA part will become inactive. That will not be transcribed. That will not be expressed. So these enzymes or these proteins which I work with, they make the DNA uh, to repress and to not express. 
so they make the gene to uh, not express and uh, those genes are repressed and this way uh, they perform their function and you know not all the genes are uh, expressing at the same time some of the genes will be expressing at specific time period and some of the genes will be repressing uh, let's say uh, at the time of, time of flowering so the flowering related genes needs to express to promote the flowering right and other genes which are promoting leaf and shoots they need to repress right to make the plant to flower more rather than leaves and shoots so um, uh, these were the proteins which i worked with okay so if i reformulate um, tell me if i not if i do not formulate correctly you're looking into a gene that will help creating an enzyme that close or allow access to the full genome or full DNA of a plant. So if this enzyme is expressed, there is no access to the, uh, to the DNA, so the plant cannot grow or cannot express specific gene. Yeah. Am I right? Okay. So where, how come the droughts is mixed okay. up into all that? Yeah, so how to relate that with the drought stress? So drought stress is also a phenomenon where different genes are, are required to express and different and certain genes are required to repress, right? Not all the genes are uh, expressed uh, under drought stress. When there is a drought stress and plants uh, sensor uh, sense, sense the drought, this is the drought, and how it senses the drought, because there is no, no water available uh, uh, in the root area to absorb, right? So that signal, that, that sends the signal uh, to different systems, like one of the systems I uh, studied in my research, ABA pathway. So ABA is, um, MCCK said, is a plant hormone, uh, like phytohormone, right? So that uh, also play a big role uh, in, uh, in uh, um, uh, regulation of the drought stress pathway in the plants. So that, that ABA that makes it um, different genes to uh, suppress or to express. Um, the enzymes which I've worked on, they along with the ABA um, uh, uh, repress some of the genes and maybe express some of the genes. So I studied um, these four uh, genes, how they uh, work with the ABA and what genes they target to repress or to express uh, under the drought stress. So I'll talk about the example, one of the genes, um, stomata, the leaves in this, uh, there are stomata in the leaves. Stomata plants used to evaporate their excess water and those uh, stomata are closed when there's no water available. So I studied the gene which involved the closure of stomata because when there is drought, stomata needs to close to save the water, right? So the gene controlling the stomata, um, how that gene was uh, being targeted by the enzymes which I studied. Um, so this is how we can relate uh, HD2 enzymes, proteins to the drought stress. Well, with that, uh, we are just about out of time. Thanks so much for coming on. Uh, if anyone wants to learn more about your research, is there some way they could uh, look that up or a website or something they could go to? 
So yeah, so um, they can uh, just search my name, the same name which you guys will post, uh, Muhammad Sufyan Tahir. The complete name, if they search on LinkedIn, they will find, they will have uh, my profile in, uh, in front of them. Um, also, they can approach, uh, they can, uh, if they use this uh, Google Scholar, they can find me over there as well, LinkedIn and also the research gate. So all of these three websites, I have profile over there so they can easily uh, access to me. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. So this has been Gradcast, the official radio show and podcast for Society of Graduate Students at Western University. I've been your host, Claire Bottini, and my co-host was Sharon Mandur. Uh, we've been speaking with uh, Sufian Tahir, and this episode was produced by Hamali Hutchinson. If you'd like to be involved with the show or get co in contact with us, email us at gradcast at sogs.ca. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Gradcast Radio. To listen to us, we are on Radio Western 94.9 FM. You can also find us all of our episodes on our website at gradcast.ca or on podcast app like Podbeam, iTunes, and Spotify. Thank you again, Sufjan. It was a pleasure to interview you. Thank you. Thank you so much. That was a great pleasure for me as well to be here.